looking back 20 years. Let's look okay. back 20 years. Uh, right. 1980. No, not 1980. Really? That's 19. Try no, that's, oh, shit. 2000. Sorry. Math is not my strength. Yep. Sorry. No, that's okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. How different or similar is your life today from what you envisioned when you were 34? Oh, Jesus Christ. What a... That's... I, I, I won't even say that's a good question. That's just like... That's so obvious. Is... <laughs> did, did I... Did I, when I was, what, 34 years old, did I think I was going to be a casino manager well, at I-15 in Tropicana, I living in Las Vegas? No. Did I foresee that I was going to be married to the most wonderful human being I've ever met? No. Did I foresee that uh, I'd be driving a Prius? No. <laughs> I'm Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. Be advised that the Literate Apecast is recorded for adults with adult themes and language. If you are easily offended, best to cover your ears. But then why listen to a podcast, dumbass? American quiz, which uh, has uh, has has garnered that actually has uh, I've gotten some comments, I've gotten some uh, some feedback. People enjoyed that, uh, thought it was very interesting. Uh, one suggestion that Joe made is that we we should have done it with uh, a person of color as well. Um, you know, yeah, Dana Dana Dana's perspective on it is is it wasn't so much a stereotype of whiteness, but a stereotype of sort of American culture. And, uh, and that, that was, that was, you know, so I thought that was, yeah, it it went over, went over better than I expected it to. It still pisses me off the whole thing. Like, well, you know, they took it down, right? No. (laughs) Did they really? Not because of us. I mean, we we were certainly there, but there was enough outcry that they took it down. And then, and then instead of apologizing for the, the, the broad and ridiculous stereotyping of white people, they just said, yeah, maybe that's not what we should... We we don't like that graphic anymore. And then just took it down. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, which I is mean, fine. I the problem is that they still think that... Oh, yeah. Black it's people out there. can't be anywhere on time because of America or that all, or whatever the... It just... Well, it's one of the things... It's one of the things... And I put so this on uh, Sun, Sunday Peculiar Journeys hits, and I'm kind of mixing up Peculiar Journeys a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And so it's not straight storytelling. Now it's, uh, here's, here's my take on some recent news. Here's some, you know, that kind of shit. And one of the things that I got to thinking about the other day that I thought was pretty interesting, um, and I haven't really fully explored it, but is, is the idea that the woke, the extreme woke, you know, um, and white nationalists actually, like, agree on a lot of stuff, um, which is uncomfortable to think about but i mean both think both white nationalists and the woke think that you should you should view all interactions with race at the fore that yeah. racial identity <laughs> racial identity right. is the single most important thing <laughs> they both really want to roll back discrimination laws so that we're hiring strictly on race yeah you know they both don't like interracial relationships i mean and that one's a little if he was like okay Wait, white nationalist doesn't like internet inter, international well, interracial you, if, relationships well if you look at what they say that black men that date white women are they've internalized white supremacy and that white men that date women of color are fetishizing race 
So oh my really, fucking it, god! It's 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 an entire sort of like separate this thing. <sighs> and one of the things I told Dana and I wrote about this is it's the, I I see white supremacy and critical race theory as two sides of exactly the same racist coin. Yeah, they're just coming. They they want separation of races. They want race to be the most important thing, and they're just at odds with each other. But they're really just mirror images of the same coin. Yeah. So, you know, this whole thing, it's its like you can't win. It reminds me of a conversation I had with my dad when I was 20, maybe 19 years old, and I was drinking in college, and my dad, we were having, I was visiting from Las Vegas, you know, I was here in Chicago, we were having lunch at the Be- the Bennigans that used to be on Michigan Avenue. Yeah, I don't know if you remember, remember that, that. Bennigans. I do remember the Bennigans. And I remember we were sitting right up against the window on the, you know, on the sidewalk, and uh, he accused me of having a drinking problem. And I said, Dad, I don't have a drinking problem. And he said, well, denial is the first stage of alcoholism. And I said, well, what? So, so I'm, I'm fucked. I either say, yes, I do have a drinking problem, and then I have a drinking problem. Or I say, I don't have a drinking problem, and I have a drinking problem. So, I, That's the Gordian knot created by Robin D'Angelo. Yeah, that's yeah, well, the Gordian I, knot. There's it's no winning. Sa- it's, and it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Well, it's, it's it's Christianity in a, in a yeah. nutshell. It's yeah. it's I am not a sinner. Well, because you've said you're not a sinner, you know you sin. Yeah, and you are original. Ah, fuck right. off. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Well, so here, here's stuff. here's what I wanted to do this week is I wanted to okay. stop talking about this fucking shit. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like, Get away from it. We're tired of it. At least I'm tired of it. And and even when I'm not tired of it, I'm exhausted by it by the end of it. Yeah. You know, okay. like it's just because. And the other thing is, I think that. We've done a lot of um, soul-searching on this podcast. It is a soul-searching podcast between two white guys, yeah. Yeah, two racist white guys. Apparently so, Apparently. Yeah. Um, but most of the soul-searching has been, we've been mining my soul for a lot of stuff. I we fe- do mine your soul, your soul. Well, you're, you're more of the Woody Allen type, so, yeah. uh, but I, I so wanna, you're a little more open to that. I want to I wanna get in, I want to... Dig out your soul. I want to shove a canary up your ass into that mine. And see if the canary dies? Because yeah. I'm pretty sure up my ass, it'll die. Yeah. Yeah, so, okay. All right. So th- the first thing I want to ask you is, what moment or experience most impacted or influenced your life? Does it have just be one moment? Uh, it could be moments, but I'm looking for like... You know, it could the be things like, that, that could, you could say like college because there were these things that happened, you know, but like. Well, to see the, the thing is, and I, as I think about it, it's like the first thing that occurs to me, it's like something that was pivotal that really like shaped who I am today kind of thing. Yeah. Um, was the fact that, and it's sort of a, a, a trend with my mom. Um, and I'm sure I've told you this story mm-hmm. before, but but the thing is, my mom, you know, frequently was, uh, you know, the, the single parent with three jobs. And we were just, I mean, we were poor. We were just fucking poor. But what mom, she hated the idea that if my sister and I felt like we were poor, if we were feeling like we were poor, it would piss her off. And so she would spend the last, I mean, I, you know, I imagine it was, you know, she had overdrawn her checking account, whatever it was. But the minute she sensed we were feeling like we were poor, she would blow the last money she had, take us to Shakey's Pizza, (laughs) 
And Shakey's Pizza was sort of like the precursor to like what Big Time Pizza and Chuck E. Cheese. There weren't animals, but it was like had the giant playing self playing organ and skee ball okay. and you know pinball machines and stuff like that. And then and just where, where unlimited. Was, where was Shakey's? Where were you growing this up was, at the time? This was in which this was in this Wichita, Wichita, Kansas. Okay. And and you know an unlimited pizza buffet. You know, and, and how old go. are you it's at like, this time? Like, what is you know, probably like seven, eight years old, okay. nine years old. You know, and and she would just there was no way we were going to feel poor. And her way of saying we're not going to feel poor is we would go and have a goddamn pizza feast with a giant self playing organ and play ski ball and get tickets and you know, just fucking blow the night, right? Yeah. And I think that pivotally, pivotally, that has uh, influenced how I see. I think it's both. How I see money and finance, um, and I think it's also how I see. It's probably where my optimism comes from. Is sure. that when I is is it you know and and that's, uh, yeah I would say that's if, of of things that were like a real pivotal moment. Um, that was, yeah, that really changed who I was. It really helped develop you know, where I was sort of like my outlook on life. And were you and always it, optimistic, like all through your teenage years? And Yeah, yeah. Well, even in my teenage angst, I've always been sort of like, things are going to work out. I've always had the attitude that, yeah, yeah all right, this is shitty right now, but, uh, but you know, just wait a day and things are going to work out. I've always believed, and I know it's a cliche, but I've always believed that the day you finally say, fuck it, I'm giving up, is the day right before things change for the better. I've always believed that. Sure. Yeah. You know, and and then now that I think about it, the second, and this is a this is a weird one because it sounds way more negative than it turns out. Um, oh, now hold on, now I have three. Now that I'm thinking about it, like real pivotal moments. Another pivotal moment was uh, Mrs. Mayfield in eighth grade, who said, "Here's the assignment." It's your birthday, so you write everything you can mm -hmm. remember. What you and and I've been doing that since I was fucking thirteen years old, yeah. and I don't think it's so much that's sort of like the navel gaze, but it really trained me to try to find lessons in everything. Yeah. All my experiences are going to have some sort of a lesson, and a lesson I think by its nature is a positive thing. Yeah. So I think that's for that's that's helped me frame my life in that way. Well, and there's so there's a the, big difference between navel gazing and reflecting. Yeah. Yeah, and it, yeah, and, yeah. And, and I and I cross that line back and forth, crisscross, you know, like somebody doing hopscotch. Yeah. But um, and then the third thing that just popped into my head was, and this sounds more negative, <laughs> the, the 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 I think the lesson that it engendered has been very positive, but it's it was uh, this was one of those things I'd been working with. Uh, wait, wait, don't tell me at the time as their house manager for. At this point, like nine years, yeah. right? And uh, and I intentionally, it was just how I did my job, I intentionally separated myself from the cast because, to me, a good house manager is not your friend. A good house manager is there to, you know, and so I did that. I maintained that throughout most of those, you know, the decade I worked for those guys. Yeah. But then they had this big Christmas party. And they didn't usually have a, you know, like a big Christmas party. But, I mean, it was like, hey, this is this big you know, Christmas party, and I wasn't invited. Ouch. And, and it, it, at the time, Ow. it really fucking hurt my yeah, feelings. Yeah, that's I mean, it sting. Really, I, re I feel stung by that right now. Yeah, it really hurt my feelings that after working with these guys for nine years, they had this inclusive Christmas party, and I wasn't invited. And I, and I didn't say anything to anybody, but 
the lesson that it that occurred to me at the time it was a bitter lesson but mm -hmm. it has kind of grown and blossomed into what i think is a very positive um it's put me in a, i think it's put me in a place during this covid world where i'm not so assaulted by things is because it really and i wrote about it at the time um the idea that we are personally important is it's an illusion yeah. None of us is really, I mean, there's just a handful of people, a handful of people in the world where you're, where you could be considered important, but most people throughout the world, throughout all of your daily life, you are not really that important. And I, I say you, but I mean me, I am not an important person. I'm not a big deal in any way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. And at the time, like I said, it was kind of a bitter lesson, but as that's developed, my, my, it, it I think it's helped with my ego you know it's really helped with my self-awareness with my perspective of who i am in the world what i'm here to do this kind of thing um and that's uh, and so yeah i think those are probably just off the top of my head those are the three like moments in my life that i'd say impacted me the most as i've uh, grown to the wise wizened old age sure. of 54 so see, i would have looked at the the lack of invitation to that Christmas party as, oh, well, there's clearly a, a cast system here, right? You know, there's the performers and the, the cast and everything, different cast that I'm talking about, you know, but... Yeah, yeah, no, I know. I mean, because you're, you're in... You had relationships with these guys. Like, you and Peter yeah. Sagal know each other. You and... Um, yeah. uh, oh, God, I'm forgetting his name, the dead guy. Carl Castle. Carl. You and Carl, all due respect, Carl, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, you know, you guys had a relationship. You, so why wouldn't they invite you? You know, I never asked. Who, I who never else, asked. Who got, who and else I actually, was invited? I actually, I actually think that was year eight, because in year nine, um, Bill Curtis uh, had a Christmas party at his house, and we were definitely invited for that one. So maybe this was Carl's fault. Maybe Carl was an asshole. No, I don't. Bill no, oh, and, not a chance. No, it had nothing to do with Carl. No, I just it was just one of those things that at the time it really it really hurt my feelings. Yeah, and I just decided to, uh, you know, keep it to myself. I wasn't because I'm not I'm not going to be a big whiner about it. And yeah. I was just sort of like, okay, so what do I? And that's it, and that's the thing is if 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 Mrs. May, Miss Mayfield had not had me do that thing in eighth grade, mm -hmm. I would not be in a place when something bad happened that I go, what do I learn from this? Yeah. But that was my immediate go-to after kind of really being pissed off and bitter and kind of angry was, all right, so what do I learn from this experience? Mm -hmm. And that really kind of helped reframe that. So that, those are, I think those are pivotal moments in my life. Sure. Yeah. Well, so going back to your, your mom spending money, uh, how that informed how you spend money, how you look at finances or um, financial situations. So right before you guys were broke, like it's the end of the month, maybe she's in between jobs, you know, like not sure where the next check is coming from. Yeah. We're going to take the last dollars we've got and we're going to have a fucking mm -hmm. blowout. So you bet. what does that look like for you today? You know what it looks like to me? Um, I, I'm a big fan of buying prizes. I don't buy presents. I get people prizes because right. they won them. They won them by being great people. Um, and I also think that... Maybe and, you just never is, won an invitation to a Christmas party. 
Maybe I never did win one, yeah. so I didn't get the prize. There you go. Um, but uh, no, I, I think if there's anything about my perspective, is is it it just it just kind of underscores. And this has happened throughout life. I used to call it just like a luck of the Irish. I don't know if it's luck of the Irish, but you know, it's like when I was growing up as a you know an adult and I had a house or I had an apartment, I had bills. You know, I'm living on my own. There would always be that moment. And you've been in those moments too, where it's all of a sudden you're just shit broke and you don't know yeah. how you're going to pay that fucking one bill. That one bill you're going to pay, you don't know how you're going to pay it. Right. Well, instead of freaking out about it or you know, going and selling plasma uh, or anything like that. I just kind of believed, I just kind of believed it would work out. And then miraculously, I don't even know how it happened, but that can, it's happened enough times in my life that it can't just be a matter of coincidence. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But all of a sudden I just get this random check that I forgot I was going to get. You know, I'd get a, I'd get an insurance check that I didn't realize I was supposed to get, or I'd get a, a it, just, it just happened. It's like, oh, okay, there's yeah. the money. You know, and it's sort of like, uh, you know, when we moved to Las Vegas, like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. You know, and finally I get the, the you know, the, 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 the casino job at the casino at the end of the world. And, <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking, ah, oh, maybe this is good. And then COVID hits and, I, you know, fucking hundreds of thousands of people in Las Vegas are laid off. I got paid every check. So mm -hmm. it's like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to question my luck. I'm just going to go with it. And I think that's where my, where that because it's like it's going to work out tomorrow and there will be money and money is the thing that you earn and then it is the thing you spend yeah. and if you freak out about money all the time even a little bit I think if you freak out about it it's it just a source of uh, of of misery and yeah. and that's I'm not going to live like that. God, you should have you should sit down with Katie and talk to her right now, but that's a different story. We're not talking about me today. Yeah, well, about, yeah. And, and it's one of the things that, that I do make, because I, I am sort of like that, but I know Dana's not like that naturally. Um, yeah, maybe it's the Pennsylvania in her. But one of the things she that panics I do about try, money. Well, she it, it's, it's it's a big source of her angst yeah. is just that kind of security, you know? And I get it. I totally understand it. And so what I try to do in little ways, and I'll give you an example, two examples, in fact, in little ways to kind of because I think she thinks on some level, gut level, that I just fucking throw money at bullshit. She just, I'm, I'm just like, ah, let's spend the money because it'll come tomorrow, which she's not entirely wrong. However, so like one of the things, the other, this was a couple weeks ago, I've got a thing called on my phone. I don't have a savings account, but I have a thing called Digit. Mm -hmm. And it's an app on my phone. It's basic and a savings account. What is nice is you can set it for a level, and then when you're a certain threshold over in your bank account, it will take $9 here or $5 there or whatever. Yeah. You know, and that kind of thing. And I shocked her um, because I've got about almost a grand just sitting in my digit. That just like, like, like gets sliced yeah, off the top. I just Every, don't, don't even... I don't, don't even think I about don't it. Touch, I yep. don't touch it. I leave it alone. Yeah. That kind of thing. Another example is I just... Uh, I just recently bought uh, a $360 magic keyboard for my iPad, mm -hmm. you know, and it was because I wanted a keyboard. It's got the trackpad. It's like, okay, I'm going to do it. Well, I didn't just say I want it because my normal thing is I want it. I'm buying it done. Right. You, you know this about me. Yep. This one <laughs> four months ago, this is before even the COVID hit. I did some research. I looked at it, said it's compatible with it. This is going to work. I want this thing. So instead of just buying it, I saved, you know, $20 here. If I didn't eat lunch that day, I'd save another 10 And I literally squirrel hold money until I had $360, put it in my bank account, and bought the damn thing. Nice. Yeah. And so 
I'm, you know, it's it's my way of sort of taking my natural inclination of like, hey, the money will come tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Live while you can. Yeah. And recognizing that I am a part part of a partnership that, you know, that's not fair. That's not fair to her for me to just do that. And it puts her in the bad, well, it puts her in the bad guy role if I'm like that. And then she's like, no, let's not spend money. It's like, no, sometimes you just got to say, let's meet halfway. Let yeah. me take my, my extremes and meet my partner so that we're we're finding some some synchronicity and compromise in our our natural inclination. Yeah, and and you you would never. And I'm I'm assuming here, um, based on what I think is sound um, knowledge, you would never buy that three hundred sixty dollar magic trackpad if you needed if you were three hundred sixty dollars shy of rent this month. No, right? no, no. I mean, no, you would I'm never not, yeah, no, I'm not, like you're not irresponsible yeah, I with I, it. I, I, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let us uh, suddenly not have power right. in the house so that I could have a toy. No, right, I right. would never do that. That would be <laughs> that, I, you know, then, then, then when I call you and I'm in the dark, um, then I'd say, yeah, right. Dana left me. Dana left me. She started, she started kill me in my sleep and then decided against it and just split. Yeah. Cause uh, you know, if I'm that kind of guy, it's like, who wants to be fucking married to that motherfucker? Uh, okay, so I let's let's. Uh, I, I want to use this opportunity to uh, to transition to another question, but I want to go All back right. to something. Okay, later. Um, this is your interview. Yeah, this is you know. So, Dana, the idea of Dana leaving you in the middle of the night because you miss you misappropriated funds seems insane. I don't think that's. A likely Never gonna scenario. Happen. Not gonna happen. Uh, wh- what does Dana love about you? What does Dana love about me? Yeah. yeah. You'd have to ask her. But I'm asking you. I don't know. Um, I. Uh, but we we know what our wives love about I, us, right? You know, I mean, we have know, an idea. Well, I I don't know. I I couldn't tell you exactly. You know, because that's the thing is, it's, I know what I love about her, but uh, it's. I think it's a little presumptuous for me to say what I think she loves about me. But if there's anything I think I brought to her life when we met, um, that I can say, yeah, okay, was. Uh, and here's what. Here's one of those. I mean, I think I've told you this story too, is that when Dana and I met. I mean, we got engaged on our third date. Yeah. You know. Um, so then now we're engaged. Now we have to start to get to know each other. (laughs) Um, you know, I was like, holy shit. Cart, Um, horse, chicken, egg, fuck it. But, but one of the things I thought was, and I've thought about this is, and it just came to, this literally was just second nature for me. So it wasn't like I was, uh, putting it on, putting on airs or trying to, you know, impress her. This just, I just felt like this was the right thing to do is that data has been a, a figure model for a good 10, 15 years. Yeah. So there were plenty of, well, maybe not plenty, but there were pictures of her on the internet naked, you know, nude pictures of her, you know, and, and salacious, you know, sexy pictures of her. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I knew they were on there because Joe looked him up. Right. I remember, <laughs> you know, and, story. And he was like, "Have you seen him?" I said, "No, I'm not going to do that." And then, and then, and, and then, then I mentioned, "You know, there's there's pictures of me on the internet." I said, "I said, yeah." I said, "But I'm not going to look at them until you give me your permission because that's just I just think that's the way you, you treat somebody that you care about, you sure. know?" Yeah. And I think probably I, I don't know if this is what she loves about me or if it's a good thing or whatever. But one of the things that uh, that I think she loves about me is that I she, I don't. Because she's beautiful, she's hot, 
It would be yeah. easy to simply objectify her and say, oh, she's eye candy and that's it. But that's not what I fell in love with her for. I fell in love with her words. I fell in love with her writing before yeah. I fell in love with, you know, the hot bod. And I think that's probably, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, I'm just, you know, so I think that's probably that's probably something. And I also think uh, uh, I'm sorry. Hot bod. What is this? She's got a hot bod. <laughs> this is a John Hughes film. Who wrote that I, script? Hot dude, bod. You got a hot I bod. Am from, I am from the 80s. You, you know this about me. You are. So when you catch me unguarded, uh, the 80s comes out. Mm-hmm. This all is, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, and I also think, uh, you know, one of the things I love about her is that she embraces, even though she kind of wants to punch me in the face sometimes, mm. um, you know, she embraces my idiosyncratic nature, the stuff that really annoys her about me. She still loves. Yeah. You know, and I and I think probably sort of that just complete acceptance, you know, it's like when she gets in, she gets angsty. She's a poet. Yeah. So she kind of gets into those angsty moods. It's like, I still love that. It might drive me a little nuts, but I still love her. It's the kind and of so, shit that when, but the stuff she loves about you that annoys the shit out of her, she will miss it when you're gone. So like when yeah, she exactly. kills you. Yeah, when she, she kills me in my she sleep, will, yeah. she will she will go, God, I miss the fact that he just opens the refrigerator door and stares at it like food's going to come out at him. Does anybody not nuts. do that? Who doesn't Dana, do that? Dana does not do that, and it drives her nuts. She's like, what? Just close the door. Figure out what you want. Open it and get it, which I think is actually pragmatic. And, it's totally but, pragmatic, but it's inhuman. But it's just not what – I just have a tendency to open the refrigerator door I'm and just stare way. at Who, stuff. I, I do that. Who the – other than Dana, I I, I want to know who doesn't do that. That's I'd be smart, yeah, you all right. Know? But so there you go. So it, that so I uh, you'd have to ask her what she loves about me. But uh, well, but this those, is this is about first. perception, right? I mean, like who? No, that's my perception. Or maybe she said things to you like, "I love you because of your your Irish balls," you know, or what? You know, or, she has never said she loves me because of my Irish balls. I love you because the way that you. You didn't objectify my body. You came after my my mind and my soul first. You know that was what a tra- you know something. Yeah, well, which is yeah. what you said. I she mean, did. Maybe she, she didn't say it that way. But yeah, I that think to you. That's why you would know. But yeah, yeah, what, yeah. Maybe that's it. Is there something? So when you guys were first dating for those eighteen minutes, <laughs> yeah, the eighteen minutes that we dated before we got engaged, yeah. Um, you know, we all we all peacock when we're dating, right? Or when trying to get somebody to like us and. Yeah. What was the thing that you wanted her to love you for? Or what is the thing you want her to love you for now? Is it is it your mind? Is it is it your Irish balls? Is it your dude? Look at me and see how fucking model ready sexy I am. I want her to love me because I'm an Instagram influencer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. That's totally I mean it's delusional, but it's fair. Sure, you yeah. know, we all have our delusions. Right. <laughs> You know, I want her. I want her to love me because of my social media presence. <laughs> That'd be a, that would be a good one. But yeah, I mean, is it, you know, like, do you think that because like, I'm 22 just, and vapid? Well, I mean, you've you've been married. Dana's your third wife. She is my third wife, and you've had and final. At, you've had numerous girlfriends before. Sure. you know, in, before the wives, in between the wives. Yeah, and. You know, maybe in between them, in between all those women, it was, I just want a woman to love me for, you know, who doesn't think that my sense of humor is too off-putting or doesn't think that I'm too oh, I don't, fat no. or doesn't, you know, whatever it is. All I want from, all I want from a partner uh, is just be nice to me. 
Okay. I mean, and, and it doesn't mean accept all my bullshit at face value and doesn't mean not challenge me on stuff. It just be nice to me. That's all I want is I, I'm not looking for anybody to think I'm the greatest thing in the world. I'm certainly not looking for anybody to, to just yes man and accept all my bullshit because I know I got plenty of it. Just be nice to me. Yeah. That's all. And okay. Dana is very, very nice to me. So that's yeah. good. Yeah. So you are a child of the 80s. So I am a child of the 80s. What character from any 1980s Arnold Schwarzenegger film are you? You've got all of Schwarzenegger's 1980s films. It's got to be Schwarzenegger? It's got to be Schwarzenegger. See, I was going to go with Stallone. But yeah, that's an easy. One. That's an easy. Yeah, one. that's a. That's kind of easy. Yeah, that's true. Because I mean, let's um, just throw it out there. What would you, if any Stone uh, Stallone character, which one would you be? Rocky. Yeah, Rocky Balboa. Lame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I right. know. Yeah, lame. So okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, Stallone. No Schwarzenegger. Uh, or oh oh okay Schwarzenegger. I'm gonna say. Keep in mind, Jingle All the Way was in the '90s. Ben Richards. Okay, Running Man. The Running Man. Yeah. yeah. That's, you know, regular guy stuck in this topsy-turvy world that you could die at any point who manages to, you know, get the hot chick and still win the game. Okay. That, that, that's the first thing, like, because I, there's no, there's no, uh, I don't remember the name of his character in uh, Predator, but I, there's none that, I'm not he that was, guy. He was Arnold in Predator. Yeah, exactly. I was like, you know, that's the least Arnold. I'm not, I'm not uh, Ben Quaid in, uh, or whatever his D- name Doug, is. Qua- Douglas Quaid. Doug, Douglas Quaid. Douglas Quaid I'm or, not, uh, he yeah, had I'm two, not, he had Total Recall. Two characters not, in that. Um, yeah, I'm not I Junior. Yeah, yeah, I'm not junior. I'm not uh, kindergarten cop. I go to I was going to say kindergarten cop could be a potential not, because you were a teacher. I was a teacher, it's true, but I don't think yeah. I'm, I don't think, you know, I like I like Ben Richards. I'm sticking with that. Ben Richards is good. I, I think that you could maybe even, at certain points in your life, you could have been Arnold and Predator because you're being, like, during that bullshit with... Yeah. Oh, yeah, your, yeah, yeah. Yeah, gonna, yeah I got gotcha. you. We don't need to talk about yeah. that. Ben Richards. Okay. Yeah. That'd Running be, Man, that works. That's that's the thought that came to my brain. All right. How many tattoos do you have? I have 10. Do you regret any? No. Do you have a favorite? Yes. Which one is it and why? Um, My favorite tattoo is probably This Is Water. Um, I, was, I knew you were going to say that, and I really wish yeah. you hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's that's that is that is my that's my favorite tattoo. That's yeah. the one I put on my wrist that I can see. It's the one that yeah. I think about pretty consistently. And in terms of like just visually, what's my favorite tattoo? It's the littered A. Yeah, you know, because that's my spirit animal. You know, a, yeah. a monkey, a chimp sitting on a bunch of fucking books contemplating death. That pretty much sums me up in a in a in an image. You know, and then and then I also really love that I have this. Uh, I have a line of poetry that my wife wrote yeah yeah i, I was so. i think that um the, the reason i i the, the, this is water was like oh, i know he's yeah. gonna say that but you knew i was gonna say this is maybe water. Yeah. you won't the reason it bugs me is because foster wallace i just i can't i i yeah. respect the guy I, you and dana don't like david foster but wallace i just can't I get into him. him i cannot i i just ah there's just too That's much okay. fucking there's too many weeds to get through to see how beautiful the lawn actually is. 
That's what I love about that's what I love about Foster Wallace is he takes you through a tour of every fucking weed. I don't want the fucking weeds, man. I just want to see your. I just want a fucking picnic on your grass, bruh. That's all. All right. Well, then, then, then go ahead and read your Mad Magazine and be happy about it. Okay. You know that I have a Mad Magazine subscription, right? I know you do. Okay. Cool. All right. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so, when when my Mad subscription comes due and I'm offered the get a gift for your friend and get fifty percent off, would you be willing to accept that gift of a Mad Magazine? Sure. I love Mad Magazine. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. You know, your birthday's coming up. Got it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. That's the thing is I, unlike you and my wife, I am not a, a, a snob about that kind of stuff. I love David, although I don't like Thomas Pinchon at all, at all. Yeah. And I, I and, and I hate, I hate with a passion, anything written by Douglas Adams, but that's just me. Douglas Adams. Uh, Hitchhiker's, Hitchhiker's Guide. Guide. Oh, I love Hitchhiker's I Guide. I can't, I can't stand it. Really? Can't stand it. Don't like Tom Robbins either. Yeah, I have no opinion on Tom Robbins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, so, no, that's the thing, because I say the snob thing, but I there's definitely air What is it you don't like about uh, uh, Douglas Adams? So fucking intentionally cute. I can't stand clever. Okay, that's Clever, totally clever fair. makes me just want to. Clever brings all the high school bully out in me, and all I want to do is take <laughs> Douglas Adams and fucking give him a wedgie and put his head in a toilet and swirly him and stick him in a locker. So I'm just not that. <laughs> clever, clever does not work for me. How do you feel about the Sedaris family then? I couldn't. I would see. I like Amy Sedaris because she's goofy, but I think David Sedaris. I would. I can't stand. I can't stand his writing. Okay. All right. For the same for the same reason that I can't stand McSweenus. Katie sent me McSweenus story today, but um, I can't read them. They make me just want to punch somebody in the face. It was, it was fine, which means it's the best McSweenus article I've read in four years. I can't. Yeah. Every time I read one, I just want to. I do. I literally do. There's very few things that that at this point at my age make me want to physically punch someone in the face. <laughs> Everything David Sedaris writes makes me want to punch somebody in the face. Every time I read an article from McSweeney's, I, I just want to go out randomly and just slug somebody. All right, so, so you, you grew so it's up, a bad thing to read. You grew up in a house where um, your mom had you had different father figures or men many coming through. Figures, yeah, uh, many of them, maybe all of them. I, I can't be sure. Um, you would know, but they. They beat the shit out of your mom, right? I mean, they they did some only one of them shit. did. Okay, only one. Only of them one did. of them okay. did. All right. Yeah. Um, Dennis Dennis Coley, first stepfather. Yeah. Fucking cancel that motherfucker. Oh yeah. Well, I am. Mean, you know. Uh, is he still alive? Do you know? I'm foggy clue. I don't even know if my okay. natural father's still alive. I don't care. Awesome. Um, dads aren't important. Ask Harry. Um, he's been crying for. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was going to be about me. Don't okay, let's talk about anymore. about about your daddy issues. Don't You're like not important, daddy. Mama. Uh, but I mean, you, so, <laughs> but there's this part of your life that is is filled with um, hatred and and violence and anger and. I would not uh, say hatred. I would definitely say anger and some violence. Yeah, not a lot of hatred. Well, I don't but, have a whole lot of hatred. Well, I'm not talking about your hatred. I'm talking about the hatred that perhaps whatever I already forgot his fucking name, but the guy that Dennis Cole. Dennis. I don't. The thing is, I don't hate him. No, but maybe he I, had hatred that he was spilling out into your 
into your family. That's why he was beating up your mom and being a dick in general. I'm just I'm assuming that he had hatred See, I, I guess from I, his pores. Again, I I think hatred's a different uh, that's a different uh Okay. thing. I and, and that's things I don't even think he was evil. Um I, and I think it's part of why, you know, the whole concept of uh intent doesn't count and imp- only impact does is the fact is is that I mean there's there's a quick there's there there's a hypocrisy on one side saying like uh, like AOC saying um what two weeks ago that you know hey people are committing crimes you know because they're in poverty and this is systemic and so we got to give them a pass on the other hand you know my my stepdad who beat the shit out of my mom well he's just evil no there are reasons and of so course. the question becomes reasons, yeah the yeah. question becomes how how far do you push that line before it's like okay this is a bad man or this is a bad person doing this yeah. versus this person who is wounded psychologically damaged was molested yada 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 is doing a bad thing yeah. and at some point you have to you know it's like at what point do you go i think the dog is rabid and it can't be saved so now let's just fucking put the dog down yeah versus that's just a really mean fucking dog and maybe it just needs a little love to kind of work that shit out. Well, yeah. Those are, that's that's an even hit. So I can't look at Dennis Coley and say I hated him. Um, I was terrified of him. Well, and how old um, were you when Dennis was around? Five, six, four, five, six, seven. Jesus Christ. Okay. So yeah. those are pretty formative years. Oh, yeah. And we, we have many formative years as as we grow, but... That's what we do. Those are some intense... Um, like foundation building, like before are, the yeah. cement is settled and all that shit. Yep. Uh, so you were around this, you were living through this world of violence. Um, and yet you, you grew up and you were a bully and you picked fights See, in I bars. The thing is, I don't think, and, and I think that's an interesting thing that you say, cause I think that's an interesting perception of, and, and maybe that's, maybe all bullies feel this way. Maybe I actually, Used to be a bully. I've never seen myself as a bully. Dude, fact, I'm using I've your always words been... here. You said the no. inner bully comes out of me, and I've you've told me that you used well, to no, pick I've fights got in bars. Inner... I mean, the this thing is, is like I a... think I think everybody has an inner bully in them. I think every that, that's I don't that thing is I I was the guy because I was a different I was the new kid at school every year mm-hmm. until eighth grade. I was always the new kid. I always got bullied. You know, so I never really had the physical. I never had the opportunity growing up to be the bully. But you wanted to. Um, you used to beat the shit out of Cub Scouts. Well, I used to beat the shit out of Cub Scouts, but uh, yeah, okay, that was bullying. I All mean, right, I'll give you that. That's fair. That's that's a fair assessment. Yeah. So maybe I, you know, I just think everybody's got that potential. I would not. I would not say on on a grand scale, I am a bully, but I think I, yeah, I've probably been a bully before. Sure. Well, okay. And, that's and I, fair. And I wonder if, you know, that the, the old eighties anti-drug war on drug commercial that I learned it from watching you thing, you oh, know, yeah. how, I, how much of your, your, your violence, your rage against, let's just the Cub Scouts and whoever was at sure. the bar, you know, years later, um, that rubbed you the wrong way was slightly because influenced of Dennis? by Dennis or just what you saw like well the thing the thing that I can say and that's and that's an interesting question um, and you're trying to do the thing that Freud said is impossible which is because I'm Irish I'm Irish and he said the Irish are oh, impossible yeah. to psychoanalyze 
Well, um, so you're, you're trying to get into psychoanalysis, and that's fine. This is what I would say. I'm asking is, for reasons. We know there are reasons. So, you know, if and, and influence well, what, is what a big I, deal. What I, could, what I can say is I would say that the, the anger that I felt had very little to do with Dennis or even the expression of it. Um, I think I was angry because um, I was constantly exposed to different father figures who were very, very, uh, like, just sadly lacking. Um we were poor, and I was jealous of the world. I mean, there's a lot of things. You know, I was the new kid in school, and constant. I, I used to get beat up on a regular basis by kids that I didn't even know because I was the new kid. What I can definitely say cemented those times with Dennis Coley. What cemented is I've never, I mean, literally, and I think I, I think I'm accurate in this. I have never once lifted my hand at a, to a woman ever. Yeah, I can't even conceive of it. You know, being physically violent to a woman is just, and and I think in those that four, five, six, seven years, I think that cemented watching my mom getting hit in the face with a frying pan is uh, that that pretty much cemented that that's not the way to go. Mm-hmm. So if there's any kind of lasting effect that Dennis Coley had was that, like that 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 a guy that hits a woman is the weakest piece of shit alive. Uh, why are they the weakest piece of shit alive? Is that because women are weak? And to beat no, up the weak a, is to no, because a guy a guy that beats up women is not what I call a man. I mean, that's yeah, just not no, a man. A man. I mean, can we? Ad- well, no. I'm gonna. No, I'm not even gonna address this right now. That's it's a totally different topic for a different time. Uh, oh, how do we spell Dennis's last name? C O L E Y. Great. I'm gonna do some research. Just for my own fun. That's for you. I don't care. I don't want to know. So I'm don't not gonna tell, tell me. you. I'm yeah, not I don't gonna tell you. Shit. I don't want to know who he is. Um, so, looking back 20 years, let's look okay. back 20 years. Uh, okay. 1980. No, not 1980. Really? That's 19. Try no, that's, oh shit, 2000. Sorry. Math is not my strength. Yep. Sorry. No, that's okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. How different or similar is your life today from what you envisioned when you were 34? Oh, Jesus Christ. What a. That's I I won't even say that's a good question. That's just like that's so obvious. Is <laughs> did, did I did I when I was what thirty four years old? Did I think I was going to be a casino manager? Well, at I fifteen in Tropicana, living in Las Vegas. No, did I foresee that I was going to be married to the most wonderful human being I've ever met? No, did I foresee that uh, I'd be driving a Prius? No. All right, well, let's take no. it back then. Let's because here's, a, there's here's nothing why I about my life question. envisioned the way it was. Yeah, here's why I asked this question because your life, and I, I always forget the brilliant line, and I don't know why I don't have it written down on my wall of post-it notes here. Um, the line you use, like in your resume or in your job, when you're looking for a job, that my my career is not a meander. Or it's what is that line that you use? Like I've done this. I've been a teacher. I've been a busker. I've been a, a fucking house manager. I've been a, a events guy. It's a gypsy. I'm a nomad. I'm a journeyman. I don't know. I don't oh, even know what's what you're no, about. but there's that there's that one line, that one fucking nugget that you've. Uh, it's like a, it's, it's like, it's, the, it's not, it's like my career is like the meanderings of a homeless lunatic. Nope. That's not the I one. I don't know. I don't Shit. know what you're talking about. Right. Sorry, well, dude. That's all right. It's uh, one of those many things that I've written or said. Fuck. It'll, it'll come back to us okay. at some point. Maybe in like three months we'll both be like, oh, there it is. Uh, yeah. but anyway, 
when you were 34, what were you doing? Yeah. 34, I was running uh, WNEP Theater. Um, in fact, we were at uh, the corner of Halstead and Belmont. We had our own theater. Which is um, now, was, or the... Uh, it's the playground. playground. Is it still yeah, the playground? Yeah. I don't even, I don't even I, fucking know. <laughs> you live in Chicago. Yeah, I, don't I don't fucking know. live in Chicago. I don't but, but yeah. I don't, that's, what's going on in Chicago theater is like about as interesting to me as what's going on in the Turkish mole rat convention business. So it's, oh, that, God, it's that not sounds that, thrilling. Yeah, exactly. That's my point. Anyway. Yeah, comparatively. All right, so you're running WNEP. Um, yeah, running WNEP. Um, I was at 34, I think. Yeah, Jen and I were married. This um, is wife one? Wife two. Wife two. Oh, Alice yeah. was one. Okay. No, Deanna was one. You never married Alice? I never married Alice. I just lived with her for four years off and on. Oh, Christ. All right. Well, this that's a whole other... Yeah, Deanna and I married out of college. Okay. okay. Um, and then we got divorced in 98. And then Jen and I got married because of, you know, she was the artistic director and I was the executive director. Right. And, and that's kind of how that worked. And then we got divorced in 2008 or... Yeah, eight. Like middle of eight. And okay. then Dallas and I started dating in 2009. Okay. Split up in 2013. I took a year of just like, I can't conceive of even being with, with a woman ever again in my life and then uh in 2014 i met jen or met uh, Dana. Dana. yeah and uh so that's how that worked out you want the lineage so at 34 you're you're running yeah. wnep george yep. george w bush is about to be elected president uh yep. did you when you looked at your five-year plan or your 10-year plan did you say this theater is going to grow this way i'm going to go on to be the artistic director at Goodman, or like, what? What was your plan at thirty four? My plan was to do shows. Um, my plan was to do shows. At somewhere along the line, I did, I did, I gave up on the concept of a five year plan. Um, yeah. Pro- probably when I was in my twenties, and I was I was told I was going to die in five years, and then didn't die in five years, and I went, well, okay, so much for that five year plan, and so. Kind of did my thing, so I, I I've really kind of not. I, I've often thought, and I've written about it before, the whole concept of trying to predict where you're going to be is is silly. It's silly. That's not how life works. Sure. I mean, maybe it works that way for some people, but it certainly has not worked out that way for me. So you you just you've you've always been, maybe not always. That's a, a gratuitous word, but you've long been comfortable with today's the day, tomorrow's that day. The day after yeah. that is that day. And I mean, I pl- the thing is, I try to plan, you know, I plan things out. I try, I mean, I'm very good at planning things if I've got a specific goal in mind. <laughs> but in terms of, like, my career or where my life is at or who, my, who am I going to be, where, uh, I can't say, you know, because I'm, I'm ready to, I'm ready to take on whatever kind of weird ass, I mean, it's like, it's like, okay, so when I was 34, did I think when I was 54, I'd be sitting in the middle of a pandemic? No. Well, no. But did you think, you know, what I, mean? I mean, you obviously didn't think you'd be a casino manager. I never thought I was going to be a casino manager in Vegas. No, that was, I, I mean, talk about like, hey, five-year-old Donnie, just before Dennis hits your mom, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> a casino manager in Las Vegas? No, it never happened. So what did you want to be when you grew up? I don't know. I think I wanted to be a dog. I don't know. <laughs> Any you know? particular I mean, breed? Eh, like, yeah. a, a, like a well-received mutt? <laughs> Like a monkey dog. I don't know. Mon- I, a you monkey know, I, dog. 
I don't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. I never even thought that way. That was just not how my, that was just not, I mean, you got to remember when I was like, I want to say probably seven years old, my mom, my sister and I threw all of our belongings into literally hefty bags at three o'clock in the morning and escaped an abusive dude. From that point on, why bother fucking planning anything? Because what the fuck's going to happen next? I mean, I guess maybe that's why I'm so comfortable in a lot of this pandemic and all this uncertainty is that yeah. I've kind of, I, I can't think of a time in my life where I've had like, oh yeah, I'm absolutely certain this is how things are going to work out. Mm -hmm. I've never, I don't think I've ever had that sense. So I'm real comfortable with kind of balancing on the fucking razor blade. This is a weird connection that just popped into my head, but stick with me on it. You're, you're kind of like what the Jewish religion really wants to be which is this idea of nomads who keep getting pushed out and they deal with whatever comes to them and they persevere yeah. and they've never quite gotten there because the promised land still isn't quite available to them or whatever fucking bullshit that is. Yeah. And do you do you feel like you've you've lost anything along the way by not having a uh a plan a sol yeah a plan a solid ground to stand on for just a moment to go i'm going to do this like you don't have a 401k or an IRA. i mean maybe you do i don't know but an I ira don't. And, i don't you know I, I mean shit i don't have a 401k till i was almost 40 because i was like i'm yeah. never gonna make enough money where I can afford check to check to put money sure. away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't plan on retiring because the, what I want to do is I'll, yeah. I'll do, I'm fucking Carl Reiner. Like I want to be Carl Reiner, you know, do it until sure. I die. Uh, I mean, has that been your plan? Have you, you've, you don't, don't feel, feel like, like you missed out on that? Well, I'll tell you, uh, my uncle Don, who I am actually named after, mm -hmm. um, and this is before he died. Um, he pulled me aside. He didn't talk a lot. And part, I, I found out later that the reason he didn't talk a lot is that he frequently was just fall down drunk, sitting in a chair, ah, smoking a pipe. Lucky bastard. You know, he was just yeah. drunk. He was very unhappy with his life. And I didn't know this. And at one point, and this was, I think, after I graduated college. I know I was in college, so it was either just after I graduated or around that point. He pulled me aside and he wanted to talk to me, which for Uncle Don to want to talk to you is... That was, I mean, my lifetime, that it's was like fucking rare. like an audience with the Pope. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Exactly, exactly right. And he sat and told me the story about how, I mean, you got to remember, this is a guy that was that worked for Boeing. He was one of the the, the original uh, head lead engineers of the first face, space shuttle. Mm -hmm. I mean, this guy was an aeronautics engineer. Of oh, the space shuttle or the... Or the... Yeah, the, the first space shuttle, he was one of the guys that designed it. The shuttle program, not not Apollo, but like the shuttle. No, the shuttle, the space back, shuttle. The, yeah, like exactly. the Challenger, the one that blew up. Okay. Yeah, yes. Or the Columbia, like the one that yeah. came back in. Yeah. He he was he was off off the project by the time the Challenger came, so we can't give him any credit for the blowing up in the sky. But he <laughs> pulled me aside and said, "No." So he he pulled me aside and he said that uh, when he was a, when yeah. he was my age, that he really really wanted to be a journalist. Mm. And that was his dream. His dream was he wanted to be a journalist. But then he got my Aunt Vicky knocked up and realized he did. That's, you know, he got her knocked up and now he had a family 
and they told him he would get paid more if he went into aeronautics engineering because he had such aptitude at that. My God, journalism or so, fucking rocket exactly. science? So, <sighs> so he went. So he went for the rocket science because it paid fucking well, but it hell. wasn't his yeah. passion. It wasn't the thing he wanted to do with his life. Yeah. Well, he spent the next 35, 40 years of his life. That's what he did. Mailing it and in. He was pretty, leading he was to pretty the challenge. And he was. And he was pretty unhappy about yeah. it. And his advice to me was, you know, don't don't ever settle for. You know that kind of thing. That 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 the trade off for money and security versus what you really want to do is is never is never a good trade off. That was kind of what he was mm-hmm. saying. Is he felt on some level he felt, kind of felt like he wasted his whole life. Yeah, which is a really sad thing to hear from yeah. somebody that you just like from the Pope. Um, but that has stuck with me, you know. And and so no, I don't. The thing about it is I don't have any. If there's a, if I have a single regret, it's that uh, you know. In the 80s, I didn't take some of that money that I went to college for and invested in Apple. You know, that's about yeah. it. You know, that's some, a like, cool Biff thing. Tannen type shit. Like, no, exactly, you know, yeah. exactly. So I don't really have any regrets because yeah. anything anything I decide to say, well, I really missed out on that, means I would have missed out on something else. And I'm so eminently pleased with where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. I like my life a lot. Um, that any changes, it's not that butterfly effect, any changes that I would say, oh, I wish this had happened would be a completely different life that I'm living now. And I right. like this one just the way I like it. This is perfect. So so right now you're perfectly happy with your life. There's nothing you would yeah. change about your life. No, nothing. I mean, I'm, be, you know, in this, in the tip, it would be always nice to have a little bit more money or well, it'd well, be that's always not to nice say to that, like, if, if you were all promotion or anything, like, you yeah, wouldn't yeah, take I that, mean, but, like, you're not yeah. going, I need to change something. Everything is awful and the, you're not. No, the, the, literally, the only, the only thing that I, that I realized, and, and Dana and I talked about this the other day, is that I, that I finally came to the grips because I've been a casino manager here in Vegas for probably a little over a year. And, you know, it's one of those things where you jump in because my, my sort of career has been peppered with like, all right, here's the thing I'm going to do for 10 years. And then I'm going to get bored and I'm going to do something else. Mm-hmm. Casino management's not going to be one of those things. Okay. You know, it's like, okay, I, I've learned enough about casino to know that I've, I've learned all I really care to know. And it's kind of interesting, but it's not near. The people are very interesting, but... This is not as fulfilling. I mean, it's not a fulfilling career, so I don't see myself being a casino manager for 10 years. It's just not one of those. This is, I'm, it's, it's, I'm not complaining by any means. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very good at it. I enjoy a lot of it, but this is not what I see myself doing till I'm 64 years old. I'm just not well, going to be doing this. It's in the situation you're in now, in the place you're in now, that's not it. There could be other opportunities yeah. in casino yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, and there's always that opportunity, but uh, it's so it's yeah, it's not that it's not that the world of casino or the industry of casino is not interesting to me. It's that the day to day management of an actual casino is fine as a job. It's a job. It's not like, hey, here's my life's work. It's a job. Well, for almost half of that year and a half that you've been doing it, it's been closed. It's been, (laughs) yeah, it's been, well, I, I had an experience that almost. No one in yeah. the history of Las Vegas has had. I got to be a part of shutting down a casino, maintaining an empty casino, and then reopening it. That's, I mean, I got, I've got an experience that so few people on the planet have ever had. That's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, that is I kind of cool. like that. Yeah. So, 
not thinking about your life in like th- moments that have moments that have occurred would you change those but looking at yourself now what are three things that you would change about yourself whether it's your mm. you know uh my sweet tooth or you know whatever it, it could be that i or would it could be like my my insatiable hunger for uh long read yeah you know, i would whatever. like I would if if I could change myself, I would increase my metabolism by forty percent. All right, let's do this. Let me rephrase the question. Okay. What are three things you can change about yourself that you can actually change about yourself? You can't oh, really well, change the, your metabolism. Well, then, then, then nothing. certainly not at fifty-four. Then absolutely nothing. Really. The thing is, I'm a grown person. If there's something I wanted to change about myself, I will. I, I, I can do that. I know that that's the thing. Is you're asking me a question that's already been answered many, many times. Like, if there's something I really want to change, then I'll change it. Okay. You know? What would, if I, I mean, would, one, if of, I one to... of the things, one of the things I'd like to learn, and I have never taken the time to do it, and I just haven't had that time because I realized that five minutes a day does not do it, is I'd like to learn Spanish. Okay. Yeah. You know, for no other reason than I live in Nevada and there's a lot of Spanish speakers and I don't fucking speak the language and I feel like uh, maybe I should because yeah. that's kind of a that that there's there's that sort of like uh, maybe that's a vestige of sort of like American whiteness that I just expect everybody to speak what I speak. Yeah, well, you grew up before Spanish was required or a foreign language was a required class. Yeah, in yeah. school. So probably. I never. Yeah, I never. Yeah, I yeah. never had to have that. So and and I've done the Duolingo and I tried a little bit. And they're usually like in five, ten minute lessons, and I can't do it that way. I tried. I you mean, know, I did try. I need a bit more immersion for that to happen. And uh, you know, here, so here's when a, I here's a life hack for you on that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Date a woman, a, a Spanish woman. I'm married. I'm not going to date a Spanish woman because well, I'm married. Don't date her. Just fuck her and learn the language. No, I'm not. It's not how it's going to work. So okay. Oh, you think that's bad advice? Do you? Yeah, it's pretty bad advice. Yeah, pretty I think bad Danny, advice. I think Danny, Danny would smack you upside the head <laughs> yeah. for that advice. Bad advice. Uh, no, that is bad advice. Don't do that. Um, so, all right. So let's go back to thirty-four-year-old Don. Are there three things that thirty-four-year-old Don would, would change about himself? To change? I would want to. I would. I and I can tell you this: thirty-four, I wanted to be less angry, and at fifty-four, I am. Okay. Um, at thirty-four, I wanted the things to change about myself. I didn't. I wanted to drink less. And I do. Um, and I wanted to be a better writer, and I am. Did it take you 20 years to get there, or did they happen sooner? The anger thing has been, uh, that's ongoing. So it's not, it's not like the anger thing is like, hey, and then and then on Tuesday, I was March 14th, <laughs> I was free of the anger. No, I took my daily poop ongoing... and flowers came out. Ex- yeah. Exactly. That's, yeah. that's, it's, it's all been sort of an ongoing thing. I think, honestly, I think the drinking thing just uh, happened because I get old. Because I just don't have the tolerance for drinking that I used it to. It gets and harder. So, yeah. It just, you know, and so it's not like I think I, that's not something I did. It's just age did it to me. Yeah. Um, I could say probably the anger has something to do with that, but also uh, really trying to access more of the Spock and the Kirk. And that's been something I've really been focused on for like the last five or six years. As long as I've known you, that's been a common, a, yeah, a recurring yeah. It's like really, that's thing. really yeah. something that I've had to work on. And I'm, and I'm, I, I'm not, while I can't say I'm totally anger free, um, I definitely am 
far less knee-jerk about it. Mm -hmm. Now I'm much more thoughtful. And now, now anger is a tool rather than something that uses me, and that's good. I like so that. So on that, and sticking with the pop culture reference, uh, is, it, is it not so much Kirk, Spock, but Banner, Hulk? No, no, you know, because like the best line in in the in the best moment in all of the Marvel movies thus far, I'm always angry. Yeah, I'm always angry. That's the thing, Cap. I'm always angry. Holy God, I just got chills even thinking about it. Yeah, the reason I would say (laughs) that's not apt is that that uh, that in the Kirk (laughs) Spock thing, Kirk and Spock uh, rely on rely on each other, and are not looking to get rid of each other. You know, it's not like it's not like Kirk is like, God damn it, you logical motherfucker. I just wish you'd you'd just get off this fucking ship and go be logical to somebody else. No, no, they work together on a constant thing. They balanced each other. Banner and the Hulk, Banner just spent his entire life in every Hulk incarnation doing his everything to get rid of the Hulk. Not in every incarnation. I mean, there's there's Grey Hulk. There's a lot of. Uh, well, eventually, uh, eventually he, he early, figures like, out how to yeah. chunk from like what yeah. sixty the, whenever the Hulk. But came the around quintessential. To, but yeah. if you look at the Hulk, quintessentially, the Hulk is Doctor Jekyll, Mister yes. Hyde, and yeah. if you, and, and Doctor and Jekyll, yeah. Mister Hyde is here's the rational side, here's the the evil side, in and they're fighting Banner each other. Hulk, too, yeah. yeah, and they're fighting each other for control. It's King of the Hills. So, yeah, yeah. Spock and Kirk were never battling for yeah. control. They were just. They were there to inform each other in great ways. Yeah. And my my most of my life, I've always just sort of been Kirk and said, "Let's do this thing," and I'm not going to think about it. And I've really tried to access the idea of being a little more rational, a little more logical, a little bit more practical, mm-hmm. um, and not rely so much on my own emotion or my ego or my machismo. Yeah. To accomplish things. So I got so. I got two more questions. Um, All right, bring them. Yeah, because this is when we're... One is, going back to the to the beginning. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned luck. You know, like, I don't know where the money's coming from, but it always just kind of shows up, things like that. So, yeah. do you believe in energy in, yeah. in as it relates to luck? And like, because you're a very positive person. You're putting good vibes out there. Do you believe in that, that good vibe energy? That if you put it out there, you'll receive the good vibes no. back? No. No, I, I, the thing is, I believe in positive energy, but I don't think positive energy is a transactional thing. I don't think if, like, if I'm a nice person, the karma will pay me back. I think that's just as uh, mystical as Jesus died for my sins or... You know, I'm going to get 72 versions if I virgins if I blow up this building. I don't think it's it's so, all. I think that's all sort of humbo jumbo nonsense, which is fine. Yeah. I, I I believe that uh, sending out positive vibes, the immediate benefit is that I'm just a positive person. That I that I look at life and I have a good perspective. Does that mean it gets me that stuff? No. This is the thing. I think the most negative person in the whole world will still get that check. Okay. The difference between the most negative world ne- negative person in that whole world getting that check and me getting that check is that I look at that check and go, well, fucking a. And the negative person goes, yeah, but it's not enough to pay my cable bill, too. That's the difference. I would also throw in there that the negative person spends the time between the, I don't have any money, and the week before the check comes, completely freaking out, doing destructive things. Exactly. And And you're going, I don't know, fuck it, let's go to... Shoney's. Let's no, go to Shakey's Pizza. Shakey's yeah, Pizza. Pizza. <laughs> Let's go to Shakey's Pizza. Fuck it, man. Yeah. 
All right, so my last question is, um, how do you want people to see you now and when you're dead and gone? I know you're not a big thinker on like the, once you're yeah. dead, you're dead, move on, who gives a fuck, but we're going to remember well, you. You know, one of the, one of the things, and, and, and it's an interesting thing, because I remember when I was uh, a teacher, um, I ended up landing on uh, Stephen Covey's highly successful habits of you know seven that bullshit right right and most of it I thought was bullshit but uh, <laughs> I really liked I really liked number two which was begin with the end in mind that what he the exercise is write your own eulogy first from a close friend a family member's perspective then from a, a close friend's perspective and then for somebody that's just a co-worker and write your eulogy so I used to have my eighth graders do this mm-hmm which then I stopped because uh, parents decided that it was fucking morbid, which is fine. You know, I was like, all right, wasn't that big. I, I mean, I like doing it. I thought it was a positive exercise. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Um, somewhere along the line, because I've really felt like that that was a good thing. Um, if you asked me when I was 34, that was very important to me uh, what my legacy was, because that's what we're talking about. We're mm-hmm. talking about legacy. We often talk about legacy. Yeah, yeah. When I was 34, legacy was a big deal. Uh, at 54, I don't really care so much about legacy. In fact, I I can say I care even less than at all. Um, and I think that's you know, we go going back to the early part of the conversation. It's like you know that that whole I'm not important. I'm yeah. not important enough to invite to a Christmas party. I'm not important kind of thing. Um, I'm pretty comfortable being remembered by the few people that want to remember me, and I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? It's like it's that that's not my business. If I die. What people decide, you know, to remember me for is is the sum total of things that I did. So if I'm doing good things, I also know that I've done good things for people that have turned around and stabbed me in the back mm-hmm. and have betrayed me and have called me shitty names and you know that. And it's not like I go, oh, look, poor put bugs. I'm so maligned and victimized. <laughs> oh no, people are mean to me. No, what it is is. You know, people are going to be who they are. You can do great things. It's, you know, it's it's the quintessential. Hey, I'm going to let you crash on my couch um, for a week, and then you stay for three months, and I fucking kick you out. <laughs> well, I don't get credit for for letting you crash on my couch for three months. Right. All I get credit right. for is kicking you out because I'm a dick because I kicked you out. That's kind of how people are. Yeah. And so I can't expect whatever legacy I leave behind to be first of all anything I'm concerned about because once you're dead, you're dead. That's not my business. Mm-hmm. Um, and second of all, I can't live my life. And that's the one kind of, I guess, difference between sort of that Stephen Covey thing that I really liked so much when I was in my 20s and 30s and the way I look at it now is like, you know, that's a little bit like saying, I want my wife to love me because of my social media presence. <laughs> sure. I want everybody to, I want every, I want my funeral to be well attended by people that thought I was the greatest motherfucker alive because I'm dead. I, I don't give a shit who comes to my funeral. I will be dead. I hope it's very few people because it'll cost less. How do you feel, and I'm not asking how would you feel if these people attended your funeral because you're dead and you don't feel anything, but how, would, how do you feel about the idea right now of yeah. your enemies or those that don't like whatever coming to your funeral and staging a... I would love it. Okay. 
I figured you I would. I would love it. Are yeah. you kidding me? If they're, it's like it's like bride and the groom. Like if Dana was, <laughs> if Dana was going to have like my funeral and it was like Are that was Are you pro Don Hall she, or anti yeah. Don Hall? Yeah. Did, did Don Hall leave you with a positive impression? You sit on the right side of this right. area. And if you just want to spit on him and call him shitty names, you sit over here. We'll give everybody equal time. Sure. I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Give everybody equal time. That's, uh, you know, it's no big deal. I think you should make a will. Put that in there. Dana and I will make sure that that happens. See, it's the thing is, I'm not going to put anything. My mom and I already have sort of a, a, a living will kind of agreement that it's not going to matter because ultimately Dana gets to decide what she's going to do with me for my funeral. So that's her choice. Well, let me just say this about your will. I want your pipes. Done. You can have them. I've got, um, I got my grandfather's pipe wall, wall holder I'm thing. getting some cool fucking pipes, man. Oh, yeah? I get I, I still have the one you got me. I still smoke yeah. it. Um, but uh, there are a couple of pipes that are just When are I get rad. it set up, these, my grandfather's, I mean, a lot of these are old and like they're chipped and shit and I can't use them. So I've thrown yeah. a lot of them away, but like the cool looking ones I've kept. Oh, yeah, um, I've got some pretty cool I'll, pipes now. I'll, at another time, I'll, I'll show them off to you. But yeah. I will let Dana know that you want the pipes. Okay, I want the done. pipes. She doesn't want the there fucking pipe. Maybe she, she can have no. one pipe. She gets one you know, your wife gets you one can, pipe. You can arm wrestle on that one because neither one of you are physically fit enough to be an arm wrestling. I so I would like to see crush who won. Over the top, sliced alone. Nineteen eighties, Don Hall. I loved Over the Top. It's a terrible movie, but I it's loved it because it's a fucking wretched movie. But it's God, storm. is it three, so good? Three, let's do six things. Yeah. Holy All shit! Right. This is the longest episode in the history of episodes. Now, Don, I want to thank you for uh, for for allowing me to get to know you. <laughs> <laughs> For the first time um, after all these years. All right, my. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, Simeon cohort. Here's Don and David with the six things you should do for the week. You want to switch it up? You want to go first with your three things? Sure. All, all right. right. So, my three things. The first one is a watch. Um, and I know you've seen it already, but uh, they, season two is dropping July 31st. You should rewatch Umbrella Academy season one. Did you not watch it the first time? I haven't. Yeah. Okay. Watch Umbrella Academy. Academy. It is really. It's a great. It's one of the most clever, interesting, um, superhero kind of comic book adaptations I've ever seen. It's super smart. I think it's a fucking blast. And I'm telling you, if you watch all, I think it's ten episodes, you're gonna want desperately to watch the second second season. And, and that's it's, on, I think it's fantastic. That's on PBS Kids. No, that's on Netflix. Okay, because we only watch PBS. I'm kidding. All right, yep, Umbrella Academy. Yes, it it has been on the list, and I just haven't. It's so haven't fucking it good, yet. man. I just watch. I just rewatched season one in preparation for season okay. two. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, just to set this out there, my three things this week all come from my wife. Okay. Because I was thinking about. I'm like, I have I read or watched anything? Am I looking forward to anything? I got fucking nothing. I'm dead inside. So these are from Katie Himmel. Uh, the first one is <laughs> sleep a whole day. Pretend that you have COVID so your husband has to sleep on the couch. Nice. <laughs> nice. And All right, that's a good one. And be replaced with spouse, dog, with child, spouse, whatever. Dog. Yeah. yeah, whatever. All right, that's a good one. Uh, my, <laughs> second, my second thing is I want you to read... And you can find this on Taibi, Matt Taibi, T-A-I-B-B-I, Substack.com. Yeah, I um, love Matt he Taibi. Wrote, he wrote his own uh, 
review of On White Fragility. It's called On White Fragility. And it is not only dead on fucking accurate, as someone who's read it twice, dead on accurate, but really fucking funny at the same time. Uh, for those who aren't familiar, Matt Taibbi is sort of kind of the heir apparent to Hunter S. Thompson in, yeah, I in love Rolling him. Stone. Um, I he's love a him. political guy. He he wrote the, the foreword for Thompson's. Uh, yes, he did. The one of the you know the the I don't know which. Um, Fear and loathing on the campaign. Fear and loathing at the campaign trail seventy two. Yes, thank yeah. you. Um, yeah, Matt Taibbi's a great fucking writer. That's a- yeah, and and in his his take on white fragility and, and the article is called on white fragility. Like I said, I think skewers I'll be doing, it. Yeah. Skewers it appropriately and is fucking funny as shit at the same time. It's really good writing. In about five minutes when we finish this podcast, this recording, I will be going into the bathroom to take a hot bath because my muscles are tight from the working out I've been doing. And I'm going to get stoned and read that shit. Yeah, read that shit. It's really good. All right, my next thing, uh, or my wife's next thing, this is again from Katie Himmel. Don, you're not going to like this. Uh, (laughs) Watch Hamilton with closed captions on. And then That's the only reason I'd want to watch it. But can I turn the sound off? Yeah, go for it. Yep. So, I mean, because if, if it's closed captions, can I pretend that I'm sure. fucking deaf? Well, because Katie yeah. had a good point. She was like, I really want you to watch this with me again. And I said, okay, fine. And with the closed caption, it is a little bit better because you can catch, you just catch a lot more of the lyrics and you're like, it's, and it takes you away from the lame music, but... But her other point was, so watch Hamilton with the closed captions on, and then Wikipedia, all the names you now know how to spell, because history class was dumb. <laughs> all right, there you go. I think that is, what a, what an, and, and your erudite uh, perspective, history class was dumb. Thank well, you. And this is Katie's, Thank you for your this is Katie's adult perspective. Class. Well, because I think in Katie's history class, which is in a town of 500, in That's true. Her, her class parents was are, 27. Her parents are like, Okay, and it was probably History like class some... was probably like, and then the British invaded the American United States, and they wrote an independence declaration, and they won it, and then slavery was abolished because her, Abraham Lincoln his... had a beard. Yeah, you know, her history it, teacher yeah. was her history teacher was Simple Jack from Tropic Thunder. Yeah, full retard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Never go feel. Never go full retard. Yeah, yeah. you're loving that this week, aren't you? I have been yeah. liking that a lot. Yeah, I've been liking that a lot. <laughs> Um, and my third thing is also another read, and this is actually from a collegiate uh, thing. It, you can find it at www.mercatus.org, and it is a, a, a it is called Looking Glass Politics. It is actually a it's a very well written, pretty short um, introduction to a larger study. Um, but it's it basically the, the the conceit is with the collapse of the private sphere. Uh, potent private emotions collide with our public persona. It really is sort of this really interesting way of saying, okay, we're really angry, but this anger is incredibly shallow. It's like stone skipping across what real anger is. And the reason for it is that with social media and our ability to now no longer, it talks about the, I think it's called the Dunham effect. And and Gladwell talks about this at point, but the idea that- the Lena Dunham effect? No, 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 no. Oh, thank Christ. Um, okay. This is, in, 90, in 92, there was a study, and it was basically that we as human beings can really only process, at any given time, 150 faces that we can place names to. Yeah. 
right? And that with television and movies, that number has decreased because we fill that up with people that, you know, we oh, that's Hugh Jackman, you know, we don't know them. And that with the introduction of Twitter and social media, we it's fucking our complete ability to actually see the world as real people. Well, and, and when a, the profile pictures change as often as they this might. Is, yeah. So it yeah. is by it is by Martin Guri, G-U-R-R-I. It is called Looking Glass Politics. It's real. It's not a long read, but it is it is chock full of really interesting ideas. I was really hoping that this was a breakdown of the band Looking Glass, their first album. Uh, of course, you know the band Looking Glass. They they had the hit. Song Brandy, you're a fine girl. Oh, is that Looking Glass? Yeah. Okay, I like that song. It's, a, it's my top favorite number one song of all. Guardians time. of the Galaxy uh, Part Two. Uh, yeah, Charlie's Angels. Yeah, there you go. Uh, right, there you go. Here's a great thing about my wife. When we first moved in together, she got me a, a a housewarming present, and it was the original record from 1972 of Looking Glass with Brand and it's a fucking great because I was looking for it and she was like do not buy that album it's such it's such a but like what a kick-ass thing for her to do she's like this is his favorite song there you let's go let's find that original vinyl record for him um, so speaking of my wonderful wife yes uh, her last thing for you to do this week is enjoy comfort TV enjoy dumb comfort TV fuck COVID Fuck the election. Fuck, fuck all this shit. And just watch Parks and Rec or fucking Fuller House or whatever dumb house hunters or anal hunters, whatever the fuck it is, MILF hunters. Yeah, Dana Dana watched hours of, uh, of beekeepers dealing with uh, <laughs> angry bees last night. She was really into that, man. Yeah. I, was watching Perry, I was watching Perry Mason, but she was watching... Be- Perry Mason kicks the fucking ass. Okay, so- oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Do you want to know what a fuck-up I just realized I was? Is I was thinking, like, what have I done this week that... I watched fucking Perry Mason. Five episodes. Oh, it's an origin story. It's the best oh goddamn God. thing I ever Duh. saw. It's so it's good. So it's good. so good. It's so fucking good. It's so fucking good. I can't... Okay. It's one of those we few things where... We will have to talk about this later. Oh, my God. Because I, I watched episode five last night, and I went, Whoa! Jesus Christ! You've seen episode five. Yeah. He's, oh, God. I was just like, ooh, ooh, don't say... Ooh. We'll talk ne- about it next week. How... We'll talk about it next week. Fuck both of us for not making this one of our things. Oh, my God. All right, yes. It's so goddamn good. All right. All right, that's the show. We're going to talk about Perry Mason next week. Thank you for listening to David grill me and try to psychoanalyze me. I hope it was uh, at least as entertaining for you as it was for me. Hey, Sigmund Freud, suck a fart out of my ass. I did what you never could, you (laughs) fucking dumbass. You can listen to the Literate Ape cast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any place you find your podcast, Jones. If you enjoy listening to Two White Guys Holding Court, review or share the show on your own platforms, or throw us a few bucks on Patreon. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com.